2: sweethearts are overrated. I remember you having a very lovely high school moment. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Becca's coming home for Christmas. Can't believe it's been three years. <laughs> you can't be around Becca because it's too hard for you. Don't be ridiculous, she's just my childhood best friend. They were so good together! <laughs> I am gonna be so busy with the Christmas show, you know? Building sets, designing the set, painting the set. No, 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 wait.
1: Nobody likes meddling moms. Are
2: you kidding?
0: likes meddling moms.
2: She actually asked me to direct the show this year. Mind your way up here? Not at all. I'm, I'm happy you're here. You are a Broadway star. I'm a small town borrower.
0: I bet you she didn't even tell you about the offers from Hollywood. Just on different paths. I came back here to be with you.
1: You still love her.
2: I think there's some shenanigans going on. Evergreen always does put on a great Christmas show.
1: We only have one month to convince them that they are
2: perfect for each other.
0: You're just seeing all the reasons that make it hard, but what this town sees is two idiots that have been in love forever and just need to be together already.
2: And the whole town does not see that.
0: They do? Duh. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I am talking with producer, director, writer, entrepreneur, all kinds of stuff, Kristen Baker. We spoke about some of her more recent work, including Christmas at the Ranch and her upcoming film, Mary and Gay, which will be coming out pretty soon, I would reckon. It is the holiday season. Now that Halloween is over, we're tearing ass right into Christmas and Thanksgiving. So... (laughs) Yeah. Also, we talked a little bit about her Scare B and B series, which will hopefully be coming out next year. Had a great time talking with Kristen, and I hope you have a great time listening to the interview. I'm super excited to talk with you. I would love to know a little bit more about you and your background.
1: I really got the movie bug. I guess when I was in college, and I always picked up like VHS and video, you know, recorders when I was younger, and we'd do music videos with like neighborhood kids and you know just kind of goof around and stuff like that but um and then I thought I wanted to go into like broadcasting like tv like news and in college um I did an internship at a local NBC affiliate and I realized I really hated the news and so I don't I didn't want to be surrounded by it like 24 7 and then I was also on a um on a movie set a movie called major pain um that came out like years ago with damon waynes and through this like bizarre set of circumstances my aunt actually was at a military academy and they needed military kids i was lucky enough to be able to be on set and i fell in love with it like it was just the coolest most fun thing i ever did and a lot of it was sitting around and waiting but the vibe and the feeling on set was like intoxicating, and I changed my major. I changed my focus. I realized I wanted to go into movie, the movie business. I started reading all the books I could on it because I was living in Nashville, Tennessee. So I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get to LA." I ended up being really lucky. I got a paid internship at Regency Productions. I did work a few projects, like a few things in in Nashville that was, you know, for obvious reasons, country music focused. So I moved out to LA. Uh, In my early twenties, and I worked at Regency in the story department. So I really got to understand how coverage worked and script submissions. And and I thought I wanted to go the development path. And then I got in there, and I was like, you know what? No, this isn't this isn't for me. This kind of environment, just like I didn't vibe with it. And um, then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be an indie filmmaker. And so while doing that and like writing scripts, I ended up um, working at the Writers Guild in the TV credits department and. I really got to understand, you know, how important credits are, how credits work. You know, one of the things I did was find people to read the scripts for the arbitration process, and then, you know, kind of some life stuff happened, and I ended up um, leaving the industry and moving to North Carolina and working in nonprofit. And so I spent the next thirteen years uh, working for various like YMCA's across the country. But still kind of having a little bit like I would make fundraising videos and, you know, do small video things while there. And then when YouTube was starting to become a thing and and people were starting to make their own content, I was like, I should start a streaming platform, you know, because that's what like anyone would think to do at that time. And that's when Telefilms was born. And I really wanted to focus on, you know, my community because I didn't feel like there was enough out there so i was sort of niche before niche was like kind of a thing you know and then you know at first it was going to be like free like it was going to be the youtube but for like lesbian content and then i like didn't make any money on ads it was like there's no money in this advertising thing and so i ended up right at the time when hulu was putting up their paywall and netflix was releasing house of cards we did the same we started as it being a subscription we started, I started doing, making like kind of scripted original content and, and then that's kind of how Tello was, was born.
0: Yeah. Just, oh yeah, I'll start my own streaming service. Sure. Why not?
1: I think that's called naivete or ignorance or <laughs> I was like, why, why not just, you know, what, why, why are I look at making indie movies when I can, you know, just, and I, and I don't even know code. Like I'm it's not even like, I'm the one coding the platform. So. But yeah, for some reason that spoke to me. And I thought, well, you know, when when you feel that strongly, you got to kind of follow that sometimes, you know?
0: So is pretty much all of the stuff that you make, does that just go right into your own service?
1: I've been really lucky, Mike, that I have been able to kind of tinker with distribution and figure out, you know, because I have investors in all of my movies and, you know, my, I have two goals and I tell people this, you know, number one is to make a good movie, you know, make, make great content. The second thing is to get my investors their money back. So, I've done, you know, the gamut of distribution where it's only been on the platform where, you know, we went wide to VOD and on demand and, you know, iTunes and all that stuff. I'm always open, but gosh, the market right now is horrible for indie filmmakers. I mean, absolutely horrible. So, I make I may actually make more money putting it on my own platform than I do doing a wide distribution because they don't pay an MG or if they do, it's like next to nothing. And then they take such a huge percentage and then they want it for like 23 years. So, you know, it just makes sense. I can control a lot more of it. I make a bigger ROI, you know, cause like it's almost like the, like the money literally can work out. Like if I have a thousand people that rent or buy, that is the equivalent of 100,000 people renting or buy it on all the various platforms. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it breaks down to. So it's really tough out there right now for in, for indie filmmakers trying to figure out how to monetize. They're making movies for half a million, a million dollars, and maybe getting a $10,000 MG, maybe a $25,000 MG if they're lucky, and then they lose it. So I, yeah, it's 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 a tough space out there right now.
0: Not only are you running this platform, but then amongst your, your own projects, you do so many things, producing, writing, directing. How do you even decide
1: which projects to take on? A lot of it just depends on how expensive is the project and how much money do I have, right? I mean, sometimes it just kind of comes down to simple math. I was really passionate about doing one holiday rom-com for the lesbian and queer community, community a year. So, you know, kind of my goal each year was to figure out, okay, how do I do that one? And then this past year, though, I had this idea of doing, um, you know, a really inexpensive thriller movie. We shot it in seven days with a limited cast in one location. And so, you know, I was able to cobble together money from investors to do two of those this year. You know, so I did two, um, they're called Scare B&B franchise and then then the holiday rom-com so you know sometimes it just depends on you know what do you have what kind of feels like it's needed and then how much money does it cost and how much money do you have
0: since you've been in this industry and especially since you've started your own platform have you noticed a shift in attitudes because i mean the changes that have happened for the queer community over the last 17 years it feels like there's been a a real back and forth as far as progress and then kind of receded for a little while. And I don't know what it is like these days.
1: Yeah. You know, that's uh, your observation is so so right on and that it does have this bizarre ebb and flow. I mean, I think one year everyone decided to make a a period piece, lesbian drama. And it was like, well, how did y'all all decide to, to do that this year? You know what I mean? It was, You know woman on fire and ammonite and then casey affleck did one that was like a homesteaders that you know and you're just like what is up with these lesbian period dramas with straight chicks you know playing all the leads so well i think except for one of them but anyway there can also be a distinction between you know i think a lot of times you look at the at the community and it's all people just lump lgbtq into one section But there there really is a differentiator between like, you know, bros and happiest season, right? So the good thing right now is that people will take a pitch or consider it. And it's not as subversive isn't the right word, but it's not like a, oh my gosh, it's a lesbian project where you have to change one of these two to being a man. That's not really said anymore. I think where we kind of are right now is it's almost like, and I'm speaking for holiday rom-coms where there used to be like no holiday rom homes. Now it's sort of like, okay, well, Hallmark has one and Lifetime has one and Netflix has one, but they do not want two. And so it's just this really interesting, wow, like really, like you can't, you can't have two th- this year, you know? And so you know, Hallmark's coming out with theirs that has two male leads that, that was just announced. And I, I, I don't know what Lifetime has, but I'm sure they'll have one with, with either male or female leads. Last year they had female leads. So, you know, I think that it's it's not as controversial. Well, someone will tell you you need to change the gender, um, but you know, we're still not seeing kind of I think um, enough of a consistent stream of of projects coming in for the community.
0: Is there any resistance from the actors? Because I know it used to be, and I'm talking like you know 1950s it was the kiss of death to be portrayed as a gay character and you wouldn't want to be associated with that at all. Have attitudes changed as far as that goes?
1: I've never run into anything that's been overt from, from any of that, from any of my, my actors. I mean, we definitely try to cast, um, you know, queer identifying people for queer roles. Now that doesn't always happen. You know, we also want the best quality, so we're not going to limit ourselves, but you know, we're, we're pretty, open about you know when we put a casting notice um that that this is an lgbtq project and so i think if people don't want to do that they won't you know they won't even submit
0: yeah we talk on the show a lot about identification and just being able to see yourself represented on screen so watching something like christmas at the ranch it was just like wow this must be so nice for people that are gay and celebrate christmas imagine that
1: I know. And you know what? We get that all the time. Mm-hmm. They'll say like, I'm so excited that I can sit down with my family and watch something that represents me instead of having to, you know, it, it's always a straight couple and they're always watching the holiday rom-com with their family. It's a straight couple, but now it's like, you know, and we try and keep it wholesome, you know, the, no, no curse words, nothing sort of gratuitous that, that you couldn't watch with you know, like my niece and nephew who are six and eight. So yeah, like we really try to represent that in just a very truthful matter of fact way. This is it. We're not going to come out. We're not going to make a big deal about it. They're already out and they just, they're looking for love and then falling in love.
0: That was one thing I really liked about Christmas at the ranch as well was just like, these characters are gay. Nobody says like, oh my gosh, there's no like pearl clutching you know when when archie cow comes to the door and uh, and the two female leads are in the the room it's not like oh my god what were you two up to yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah. no exactly thank you so much for like kind of recognizing that because that's exactly what we're going for
0: yeah it's it's just so valuable and i'm so glad that you're doing some horror movies as well
1: you know what we're not killing anyone And I know people are probably going to be like, I don't want to watch that then because that very much is part of the horror genre. But I think you can have a thriller that's on the edge of your seat with jump scares and it doesn't have to be like gory. You know, It can be like, oh my gosh, what's this? So I'm kind of excited to hop into that genre as well.
0: Are the Scare B&Bs, are those out now?
1: No, no, not yet. We're still in post-production on those. In fact, when I'm off with you, I'm going to I'm going to look at the sound design for, uh, for the first Scare B&B. So, no, I think those will be coming out in 2023. We really had to focus on Mary and Gay. So even though we had three of them in the can, we, we kind of had to drop everything to make sure Mary and Gay got out this holiday season that took our focus. So, um, so Scare was put on the back burner. And so I think it's probably, I mean, gosh, Mike, you never know, but I- I'm thinking it'll be, um, j- possibly January of 2023 for the, for the first one. Yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about this year's holiday movie, *Marion Gay*.
1: I film my stuff in in um, Nashville, so it's set here in Nashville, in a small town, and it has that sort of, you know, that that quintessential trope of you know, Broadway star who lived in a small town comes home, and and you know, wants to see if there's still anything there between uh, with her high school sweetheart, and then the the fun part of this one is that you have these, their two moms are kind of meddling and trying to to help get them together. And then the whole town gets behind it and tries to get these two together. And so it's just this really like, you know, fun, feel good, small town, holiday rom-com.
0: How did the pandemic affect you?
1: Again, I was really lucky. So we shot I Hate New Year's wrapped March 14th of 2020. And the 16th is when everything shut down. So we, I mean, we were wiping everything down, trying to get toilet paper, like, you know, the last couple of days of the shoot. But so we were really lucky that we got that one under our belt. And then in February of uh, 2021, we filmed Christmas at the ranch. And that was, you know, it just, it made things a lot more expensive. So we had to have testing. SAG was just coming out with their rules. You know, everyone had to have masks and shields because it was before you had the vaccine. And so we were really lucky. I, you know, I, I have yet to have a COVID case on my set. I'm knocking on all kinds of surface areas here. I did lose a, a leading actress before we shot um, to a to a positive COVID test. And so I had to recast like very quickly. It made it a little bit less fun and a little bit more expensive. I have to
0: compliment you on the level of actors that you have in your films. It was so nice just to to see, you know, Lindsay Wagner showing up, Amanda Righetti, just so many familiar faces and just knocking it out of the park.
1: They were unbelievable to work with. I mean, it was so fun to work with them, to direct them. You know, I mean, Lindsay Wagner is such an icon and just one of the loveliest people. And Amanda and Archie are both also just fantastically wonderful folks. And I was really lucky. I was very, very lucky. So thank you.
0: How many projects do you work on at a time?
1: 1.5. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write the third scare. And I say trying because I'm just failing horribly at it. So for those out there, but, you know, I'm doing post on Scare Scarebnb on the first one. Someone's starting to crack open the second one. So I'll see a rough cut of that um soon. And then, you know, we're gearing up. I was just on with my publicist the other day about releasing Mary and Gay and looking at, you know, the press releases. So so yeah, you know, 1.5, 1.6, because you're like you're you try to really have one that you're focused on and then little pieces kind of are you know, like whack a up um uh at the at the same time. So
0: and then are you involved in the day-to-day of the streaming service as well?
1: I'm actually starting to move away from the day-to-day of the streaming service. So another one of the owners is starting to take the operations of that. So that's kind of been helpful in, in moving back from it. And so it's sort of like, you know, they're they're kind of taking that over and, and handling those things. And um, yeah, because it's it's been, I mean, what, 12 years you know that I've been the operations person for the company and kind of running it. I, I do have great people who work for me who do acquisitions and, and kind of help with you know marketing and images and things like that. But yeah, so I am I am pulling back from that and no longer um, doing doing operations pieces for it.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about and gay because it sounds like it's going to be delightful.
1: I have Dia Frampton as the lead, and she was in uh, one of my projects, um, I Hate New Year's, and she had a a small role in Christmas at the Ranch, and I just absolutely love working with Dia. Dia's co-star is an actor named Andy Renee Christensen, and Andy is non-binary, and so we made the character of Sam non-binary, but again, we don't talk about it. No one sort of comes out as non-binary. We just use they, them pronouns. And refer, you know, as a child or a um, or a um, you know sibling, you know, we try and use like gender neutral terms, but again, it's there's no coming out, there's not a a thing around it, and uh, and we have Stella Parton, who's Dolly Parton's younger sister, who plays Mrs. Wilkinson, um, who's just phenomenal in it, and you know, when we open up in New York, and I ended up calling, I have an amazing composer, and I for some reason when I was in the middle of writing the project, I thought what would be a goofy Broadway musical that would be a Broadway musical, but then it's not. And I thought oh, friends, the musical. So I was like, okay, she's in friends, the musical, you know? So I kind of, but of course you know, can't really use that term. So I think I called it, I'll be there for you. So I call, I said, we need to open up with a really goofy, ridiculous number, Broadway number from friends, the musical. So I called, My composer, um, Everett Young, who's phenomenal. And I said, Everett, I need you to, I need a song that is about how much these, the people love coffee. And he goes, got it. And he collaborated with another friend of his and they wrote a song called Coffee is Our Friend. So we open up with this Broadway number called Coffee is Our Friend. That's just fantastic. And it's, um, yeah. So, you know, it's like those kinds of things. We just, it was really so much fun to kind of play around with, with that and to play around with high school sweethearts, you know, um, and, and Andy and and Dia were fantastic. They had amazing chemistry and the two moms just, you, you just feel that, that sense of family that I think you, 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 you saw it in Christmas at the ranch as well. And I think that carries into, to marrying gay, but now we have two families that love their queer children. And I think that's, that's like really cool as well.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Because I know the holidays are so difficult for so many queer people who have just been disowned by their families or have difficulty with certain members.
1: Yeah, one of my, I have this amazing gaffer, his name is Benny, and we we're in the middle of working on it. And he's he's worked on like four or five of my projects, or sorry, excuse me, two um, two or three. And he goes, Kristen, I just love working on your projects because it's just, the families just so feel good. <laughs> and I said, Thanks. Thanks, Benny. You know, and that meant a lot that like, even on set, you know, he kind of got that feeling and that vibe. And yeah, and we, you know, we just had these super meet cute moments between these two. And, you know, it just follows those. It's just trophy goodness, Mike, just great holiday rom com trophy goodness, you know, with some, I think, great chemistry.
0: Well, Kristen, where's the best place for people to keep up with you?
1: I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have my Twitter is um, handle is the same as my Instagram handle. It's my first name, Kristen, which is C H R I S T I N, and then Tello, um, which is not my actual last name, but I it it just made sense at the time. So Kristen Tello is my Instagram and Twitter handle, and then my um, production company is called A Baker Production, and that's where you can find me on Facebook. So depending on which one you love more, and I you know I'll put family stuff up, I'll put stuff about my movies up, and that's how folks can, can keep up with me and see what's going on.
0: Well, Kristen, thank you so much for your time. It was so nice talking with you.
1: Uh, Mike, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I just appreciate your questions and also your observations on my projects because it's exactly what I'm going for. And so the the fact that you got that and sensed it just, it's, it just means the world. So thank you for having me.
2: And told me about Fred, he's such a hairy behemoth, she said. Dumb as a box of hammers, but he's such a handsome guy. And I opened up and I told her about Larry, and yesterday how he asked me to marry. And I'm not giving him an answer yet, I think I can do better. So we laughed, compared notes. Took off her overcoat I kissed a girl I kissed a girl She called home to say she'd be late He said he worried but now he feels safe I'm glad you're with your girlfriend Tell her hi for me and then I looked at you, yeah, gilding your eyes But it only lasted a little while And then I felt your hand above my knee And we laughed at the world They can have their diamonds And we'll have our pearls I kissed a girl I kissed a